0: Hey everybody, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 66. I am so glad you're here. A special shout out to those who are here for the very first time. Welcome to you, welcome to the room. And for everyone, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. Especially if you like this episode, and a thank you, because the growth we're seeing in this podcast, it does not happen unless you are sharing with people important in your life. And man, are you ever doing that. And it is not lost on me. I want to thank you for doing it. Also, follow us on Instagram, at I Dare You Pod. There you'll find content you'll not find anywhere else, including snippets of this interview you're going to hear. Our guest, you know him. He's Andrew McCarthy. He's a director, an award-winning travel writer, and of course an actor. has appeared in dozens of films, including such iconic movies as Pretty in Pink, Saint Elmo's Fire, Less Than Zero, cult favorites like Weekend at Bernie's, and Mannequin, one of my favorites. His memoir, chronicling this time, called Brat, an 80s story, New York Times bestseller in 2021. Andrew has directed nearly 100 hours of television, including shows you'll recognize, The Blacklist, Grace and Frankie, Orange is the New Black, and many others. What you may not know is that for a dozen years, Andrew served as editor-at-large with National Geographic Traveler magazine. He's written for the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, the LA Times, Travel and Leisure, Town and Country, Men's Journal, and many others. He was named Travel Journalist of the Year by the Society of American Travel Writers, as well as serving as guest editor of the prestigious Best American Travel Writing Anthology. Now, we have dropped this episode with Andrew to time perfectly with the release of his brand-new book, called Walking with Sam, a father, a son, and 500 miles across Spain. If you have kids, and if you've ever thought about how to communicate with them better, what could you do in a really practical way? You're going to get some ideas you can put into practice right away. Okay, with that as a setup, I say we dive in. I've made you wait long enough. Here is episode 66, and here, everyone, is Andrew McCarthy. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. It is really good having you here. It's great to be with you. Thanks. I finished reading the book. It is a fantastic read. Congratulations to you on it.
1: Yeah, thanks. You're nice. Thank you.
0: So uh, reading the book, though, the name of the book is Walking with Sam, a father, a son, and 500 miles across Spain. And the opening opening, um, quote in the book is, yeah, Henry David Thoreau. It requires a direct dispensation from heaven to become a walker. So, Andrew, uh, why of all the ways to start this special book, why did you choose that quote?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I just liked it. It spoke to me. I read it. I I saw it sort of by random. uh, And I just thought it was really, uh, I don't know, there's something about it that touched me. I think walking is a uh, deceptively profound thing. And a lot of us don't have the patience to begin it. And once we really begin walking, I think... uh, you know, it changes us. And so I, I just thought there was something about that that because I, I resisted walking for years. I thought walking was just sort of whatever, the slowest way to get somewhere. And uh it took me a long time to kind of realize there's something else going on in in walking. So yeah. uh I got that dispensation at some point, you know.
0: Apparently. I'm glad I did. So a lot of people know. I mean, you and I are about the same age, so and a lot of our listeners are in are this- you
1: twenty-eight as well? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'm 33. That's what you are, right? We're okay.
1: Anyhow, that old joke.
0: Well, look, I mean, we we know a lot about your work, especially as as an actor. Where did this transition for you begin to become an author and a writer? How did that transition take hold for you?
1: Well, that's, you know, unfortunately for you, a long story, but I'll cut kind of it to it. It started actually on the Camino de Santiago, which is what I wrote this book about 27, 28 years ago. I walked it for the first time when I was uh, in my, I guess, in the early 30s. And uh, it changed my life. It changed my place in the world. It changed how I viewed the world. It changed how I viewed myself in the world. And uh, in in a nutshell, it helped reveal to me how much fear had dominated my life Mm -hmm. and uh, so much so that I didn't even know fear was a factor in my life until that moment when it was revealed to me you know when I was walking across Spain I was in a field of wheat and you know I had this one of those white light experiences where I just suddenly found myself sobbing on the ground and it occurred it, it sort of came to me in a sudden flash and that changed my place in the world, you know, and I kept traveling after that, because I found travel to be a, a life altering thing. You know, this moment happened to me while I was traveling. So I kept traveling and then I started just writing about travel and became a travel writer for magazines. And then that grew into books. And, uh, you know, it just sort of took over a part of my life that, uh, I, I like, and, uh, Yeah. I mean, I feel like myself, you know, I always the quick answer I always give is that writing and acting and directing, it's all storytelling and all that's true, of course. But I just sort of felt like my wife is Irish. She has a bunch of great Irish sayings. And one of them is uh, I felt like myself from the toes up. And mm. the minute I started acting when I was 15, when I was in the high school play, I walked out on stage as the Artful Dodger and Oliver. And I felt like myself from the toes up for the first time in my life. And I knew that's what I was going to do with my life. And then when I started writing, I had the exact same sensation. And so. That's
0: so I- good. So good. So you, you mentioned your prologue of the book. And by the way it, the the book is just so real and vulnerable uh, on so many levels especially as a dad uh, I'm a dad your son Sam here and um, but very very vulnerable and in the prologue you talked about how in when you were a young man success came quickly and you believed that you hadn't really earned the right or earned it hadn't done enough work and I wonder I mean what I when I read that I thought well that's that's imposter syndrome that's that's maybe too fancy of a word for it, but you felt like that lightweight, but something changed for you on that first walk. In fact, you said you earned your way across Spain. And Mm -hmm. uh, tell us more about that, because I think a lot of people listening, whether you're a dad or in your career or in any area of life, we have some similar thoughts. And uh, tell us more about what what you experienced.
1: Well, I did when I was young, success came very quickly to me. Uh, And I was Utterly sort of unprepared in many ways for what that would entail. And I'd always, um, you know, people asked ask if I was surprised. And of course I was thrilled and delighted that I got in the movies and I got in the movies by sheer, you know, it was like winning the lottery in a certain way. I was, I had been in college for two years and I was kicked out of college. And, uh, there was an ad in the newspaper that they were casting a movie for someone 18, vulnerable and sensitive. And I was like, "Dude, it's me. And I went to an open call audition, meaning anybody in the world could go to it. And I went and 10, 15 auditions later, I was cast as the lead in a Hollywood movie and my career began. So, and then, you know, that movie was a bomb. But anyway, in a couple of years, I was in successful movies and my life changed very quickly. And I felt I wasn't surprised in a certain way, but I was ill-equipped to. I didn't know what to do. What what was going to happen once I did become in the get in the movies, and so, like I suppose, imposter syndrome is the word we now or phrase we now use for that. But I I don't know. I I guess I felt that, and um, walking across Spain changed that because I, I always felt like I hadn't done the work in a certain way and was just skimming and just sort of coasting or fooling people and all that stuff and walking across 500 miles day after day there's no there's no fooling yourself you're either doing it or you're not doing it you're walking and you're going to the next one and so there was something in that earning my way across spain that really went resonated very deeply in my life and who i was and it was a real turning point just that that notion that I did that and I can't take it away from myself. I, you know, and I can't dismiss it. And it seems, you know, a frivolous thing to do in many ways, you know, spend five weeks walking, but it was the most valuable use of my time uh, I've ever done. And I, I have say it's, you know, the best thing I ever did twice, you know, and then when I did it again with my son for the and the, this book grew out of that, but there's something about that, just the, and the rhythm of walking is very, um, Profound for, for, you know, mental clarity mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there are many people talk about how walking is so good for creativity and things. So yeah. I don't know. There was just something about that that uh, I did that and I can't take it away from myself.
0: There's a lot and of value it, there. It,
1: it relaxed me and myself in a way that I hadn't been before.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's And I think just... it
1: also then took also decades <laughs> beyond that to really kind of own that. But yeah. that was the beginning of it for me.
0: That's great. I mean, it feels good to to earn something and just to know it. And when you, when you know it, it's just, it's no one could take it no, away from no, that. And and no, way.
1: and you, there's no need to prove anything. There's no need to brag about it. It, it just yeah. is. It just is. And right. there's a certain thing. And it's not even confidence. It's just a, a knowing. And there's some kind of an, an internal authority that doesn't need to be asserted. You know, when people are always <laughs> asserting their authority, underneath that is a great insecurity, obviously. And so when you don't need to assert and you just simply have something, it's it's not only very attractive, it's just, you know, it's very effective.
0: Well, let's, let's frame up first, what makes the uh, Camino del Santiago such a special uh, route or walk or pilgrimage in your own words? Yeah.
1: Interesting thing because, you know, uh, Walking a pilgrimage route, and this route started in the 8th century when the Catholic Church said, and I was raised Catholic, but I'm not a practicing Catholic in any way, and I didn't do it for any religious reasons, but um, it started when the Catholic Church said the bones of St. James the Apostle have been discovered in the farther and westernmost reach of the Iberian Peninsula, and anybody who leaves their house and marches across Spain gets half their time in purgatory knocked off, which is a good deal, right, if you're a Catholic. (laughs) It was also, frankly, the time when Islam had taken over the Iberian Peninsula and it was really about the Christian reconquest of Spain. So as always, it was about real estate. And so uh, over the centuries then, and and then once the crusades happened and Christian, you know, Catholic church retook Spain, the, the Camino fell out of favor for centuries. But, and then in the 20th century, it sort of started to gather again and, but there's something about walking in the footsteps of millions and millions of people over centuries that's you're getting into a current of something that's hard to describe you know and, and pilgrimages are odd because there's no discovery involved except internal you know you're going somewhere millions of people have gone on the same route and you know there's something about walking in the footsteps of you know saint francis and all these other not that right. religious in any way but there's just something about that that there's it's meaningful and there are, you know, lots and lots of people walking it as well. And so you encounter people from all over the world and uh, you mm. form these little pods sort of informally that are marching west across Spain on any day cool. of the year.
0: That's cool. You know, in the book, you wrote the phrase, no one walks the same Camino, even though millions over decades or centuries have walked that. What, what did you mean by that? What does that mean to you? Well,
1: an example I use in the book there is that, you know, uh, I met someone who I'd walked the Camino with, right? I knew peripherally, and we'd been walking in the same time over the, the same days over there. And he showed me all his pictures and I, I didn't recognize anything except landscape things. I was like, yeah. wow, it really brought home to me. However, you know, just the way everybody's journey is completely different. And this is an actual literal journey, <laughs> a journey of life for this month across this country. And and, you know, the journey is always internal and mental and emotional. And mine are going to be unique to me as yours are, yours are to you. Sure. you know, and That's really and one of the beautiful things about the walking and taking the time to do that is that you're really made aware. I was certainly of my mental patterns, my emotional cycles and patterns and how little, and how I impose them on my views of reality versus reality imposing on me and me reacting to reality. Often it's my perception of what's going on inside me that changes my view of reality, you know, and to, and to really see that uh, as a, it's like a 180 degree difference, you know, it's perception always, and it's not reality that's all for me often. Well, sometimes it is when something cataclysmic happens, but often it's my perception that, you know, in view of reality is mm. what
0: changes. You know, on your, on your first walk, again, 25, 27 years ago, that, you know, obviously that was an incredible uh, opportunity. You did it, but now you did it again and it's a whole different world now. I mean, it's, mm. it's 2023, here's my question. How long did it take for you to what I'll call more detox to kind of get away from the, the the distractions of life? And you then just got into a whole different rhythm. The body and the mind got into rhythm with walking and with Sam. And is there anything there? Did you learn anything about how long did it take for you to kind of unplug and get into a different state of mind?
1: Well, it was interesting you really notice it now, because the first time I walked, if you wanted to make a phone call, you had to find a phone booth and make a collect call. And it was a, it was an endeavor, you yeah. know, to do that. And. W- this time, of course, you know, you, you can make the choice, which we did not make. And was I wasn't interested in making it. So let's cut off and just be in the moment and all that. kind of. I don't want to oppose anything on us. But it was interesting to see. Uh, how it naturally, technology and stuff, naturally just sort of fell away and receded to a more proper place. You know, there wasn't the constant need to divert from things that are happening. You actually wanted to be in the present, you know? And uh, what's interesting too, is it's so profoundly simple. All you're doing is walking, finding food, and finding a place to sleep. And those things are all fairly, you know, the walking's the hardest part, the other stuff's easy, but it's all you're doing. And you're never bored for a second. And that's really interesting. And so the technology of it all, that all fell away uh, to, it seems like, an appropriate degree. You know, but there were times when we got lost uh, off the trail, and that was always my fault. And my son would call <laughs> out his phone, and he'd look at his Snapchat, and he'd say, oh, yeah, and he'd look, he has his little avatar there, to go, we're off the trail, look. And, you know, <laughs> it's this way. And I go, thank God for Snapchat. You know, <laughs> so it has its moments, yeah. you know. We also posted about it on, and I'm not a huge social media person, but I posted about it on Instagram on the first day. I just said, me and my son have started this walk for 500 miles. And we had one, all these people responded. And so I was like, oh. And then the next day I said, well, I'll do another one. And then suddenly I realized, oh, I'm doing this every day. So every day I would, at the end of the day, I would post something about how we, so it was about what our day was and what we talked about and stuff. And so it was nice to sort of carry these people with us across the country. There was something nice about that, you know, but there wasn't, there wasn't the sense of like, you know, a trophy in, in any of it. Yeah. You know, and that was nice.
0: You know, Andrew, uh, your son is Sam. I also have a son named Sam. Um, my, my Sam is about 30 years old, and he was named after Sam Malone, namesake of uh, from Sam Malone from Cheers. <laughs> right. And, um, but I'll tell you what, your book struck a chord with me because as I was reading your your thoughts about being a dad and I've I, I've always wanted to be a great dad. I've always had insecurities about: Am I doing enough? Am I spending enough time? Am I creating enough experiences? Looking back on it, I thought, "Man, did I do enough?" I think you encapsulated so beautifully in your storytelling about your your walk. Tell me about Sam and what what makes him unique and special in this world.
1: He's just him, you know. So I, I, the the goal of my one of the reasons I wanted to walk with Sam was that. You know he's just he was 19 years old at the time and he was just starting to commend to his own the way in venturing out into the world and one of my biggest regrets in life was that when i left home at 17 i n- never went back and i never had any kind of relationship with my father throughout my life till the end of his life really and that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest regret i have in life and i didn't want that to happen with my son um I've always said that if, you know, my adult children want to have a relationship with me throughout their lives, then my life will have been a a great success, you know, and I believe that. So I wanted to, you know, help transform our relationship into a, you know, one of adults and by doing something together and something, frankly, that he'd be even better at than me because I get, I'm 60 years old. I'll get tired walking 500 miles. He's 19 and he's just charging across the country. At the end, I'm like, I'm so glad we're close to being finished. And he's like, Dad, I'm just warming up. You know? <laughs> so, but it was nice to be able to, you know, take our relationship and have it begin to transform into not parent-child, adult over the child, but as more equal, you know, men in the world. You so, know? so that was really, uh, you know, on the day two of the trip, he said, uh, as we were hiking over the Pyrenees, he said, Dad, what's the point of this effing walk? He didn't say <laughs> nothing, you know. And he said, is there an airport in Pamplona? So, you know, it wasn't hard to figure out what he was thinking. But And then on the last day of the trip, he said, you know, that's the only 10 out of 10 thing I've ever done in my life. And so, you know, I knew that, like, you know, the event happened for him.
0: Well done. Well done. How did you first introduce this concept, this idea to Sam?
1: Well, I've been bragging to anybody who would listen for the last 25 years that this is a life-changing thing i've had friends who've lost their jobs in midlife and i said dude you need to go walk this camino and they're like no i need to get a job i'm <laughs> like no you need to go walk the camino and a couple of my friends have and they've come back and said that was the best thing i ever done and wow. they got to get jobs <laughs> anyway so i've been boasting how wondrous it is for you know his whole life really and um And so he had just broken up, right? He had just broken up with his first love and he was sort of shattered. And I said, uh, and he said to me, mumbled sort of, you know, if you want to go ever go do that walk again, I'll go do it with you. In his despair. And I literally walked from there into the other room to my computer, bought us two tickets to Spain. And two days later we were in Spain because I knew he was going to change his mind in a minute and not want to do it. Or he got a
0: new girlfriend or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, that's how it it sort of started. And I think, you know, to Sam's great credit, he knew somewhere that, you know, as much as my son pretends when he's not, and listening, he hears what needs to be heard often. And, uh, you know, you try and sit my, you asked what Sam was like, you try and sit my son down and have a chat, you're not going to get very far, mm-hmm. but you get him moving, get him physical, and it all comes out. Yeah. You know, every day we'd be walking and I would just kind of not speak for the first However long it took, I'd just go, let Sam start. And I would just walk beside him. And eventually, whether it was 10 minutes, an hour, two hours. Well, anyway, so then I was thinking, and then it all starts pouring out as if we're in the yeah. conversation. And that was, you know, and I had the glorious luxury that you rarely get with adult children is time you know i knew i had a captive audience all day long we're walking here just wait it out i don't have to go fix anything or find out what's going on it's going to come to me
0: you know boy what a what a blessing that is and yeah, show back in, yeah you know um there was uh, from your book from memory there was uh when you were asking sam if he wanted to go for a walk um he said yeah sure uh whatever and you you wrote I knew from experience that a call for help can come in the most disinterested of tones. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful phrase, and I got to ask, what what did you mean by that?
1: Well, I mean, just like I was imitating playfully before, he's just like, you know, he was heartbroken and upset, and, you know, I'm his dad going, you okay, buddy? And he's like, uh, whatever, you know, and he was just <laughs> giving you that teenage slouch and mumble, and he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll do that if you want to do it. I mean, I heard that. I heard that like a, you know, and, uh, you know, I just, that was one of the things I really got out of walking was just, just listen, don't know everything, don't fix everything, just listen. You know, one of the blessings of my life is I've been able to hear those little cries. It's like when I was 15 and I kind of went, wow, that was amazing in acting. I, I followed that. Mm-hmm. And then when I was, you know, when I started to write, I followed that. You know, I don't have many skills, but I have the ability whenever those little moments flares go up to see them and recognize them in that moment, you know, and that's, that's a gift in a certain way. So, yeah,
0: you know, I'm just talking to all the dads, all the parents out there it doesn't have to be dads, but I think you're onto something here that when you just show that patient, just listen and to create some of these experiences, uh, you don't need to go walk the, the uh camino for 5 weeks you should from what i'm gathering here but it could <laughs> just be these other other things and just creating these experiences where just that time can happen between the two of you you know i i i, I was thinking about sam and was some of the best conversations sam and i ever had wasn't just sitting looking at each other <laughs> it was when we were just in the backyard throwing a football Absolutely. it was it, it's that activity like you said it's it's something like that that just breaks the walls down and for you and sam it sounded like it was walking over that five-week period
1: yeah or like throwing the football it's great there's something that just yeah absolutely i I, i've never gotten anything out of any of my kids by sitting down and having a heart to heart (laughs) it's just like you kid but um you know anyway i got a call today from my son who is he was in he's now he's in london studying right now And he's dad you got a minute you got seven minutes. I'm like, I do. And you know, and he was working through a problem. And I just, and I, a couple of times I wanted to fix it and give him a solve. And I just heard him out and he talked himself into a solution said, thanks that and hung up. And I went, Oh, our walk has been a success. You know what I mean? I don't know that that conversation would have happened if we hadn't gone walking.
0: Beautiful you know? story. Beautiful story. You know, I had, uh, my daughter called me, um, earlier, well, it was last night, actually, she's working through a few things. And that is, as a parent, it's so tough not just to jump in to go into solution mode, but sometimes it is just listening and helping them work through it on their own. In the book, 364 Miles to Santiago, there was a moment when uh, uh, Sam turned and he asked the question, how are you, dad? And I thought that was a key key part to this whole journey. And because I'm thinking as, as an adult kid or adult child to be able to turn to a parent and ask that type of a question I know it's a small phrase but it has some meaning doesn't it I was
1: utterly unprepared for it I think it's the first time in his life he'd ever asked me like wanting to know like what's going on with you we've been talking about me in my brain what's going on with you you know and I was not unable in that moment to take it and sort of reveal myself to my son you know because and then I thought afterward like you know yeah I'm worried about work I'm thinking this about um, my marriage and uh, this and that. And and then it's kind of like, well, what's appropriate to tell our son? I'm not looking to, you know, I'm still his father. And yet I'm going to reveal, be truthful with him and like exp- share myself with him. So it was, a, I was utterly unprepared and ill-equipped in that moment to sort of answer and to, and to own that, to be, you know, a day later to kind of go, wow. You know, the next day I, I didn't put it in the book, but the next day I go, Sam, yes. Cause you know, my answer to him was I, I'm doing good, doing good, hungry. Um, yeah, the next day I said, you know, you asked me how I was yesterday. I was acting, um, I'm worried about something, and, you know, and it started me talking, worrying about work and talking about whatever, and then it morphed into relationships and he goes, well, my relationship, and suddenly he's bouncing back with me and he sees me not as this thing, but as a human being yeah. and what more do we want? And, our, you know, cause when our kids are little, they see us as these figures, you know, and never as real people. And so to begin to see each other as real people, that's also a big risk to take because it's coming down off the pedestal. And you know, the longer we keep ourselves on that pedestal that everyone loves to be on, the more harder we're gonna come crashing down. (laughs) You know, they're gonna knock us off and hate us or something, you know, (laughs) when we realize we're just to have clay feet like everybody, you know? so the more we can take ourselves off that pedestal, for me, I I found that to be, to the degree to which I'm willing to do that is the degree to which the relationship actually deepens.
0: Now you may have just answered my next question. No one has this dad thing figured out. I certainly don't. But um <laughs> what what did you learn through that moment because when that moment happens it's happened to me I always don't I never know how vulnerable to get and oftentimes I'll I'll revert back to as if they're 10 years old hmm. when it's like I'm fine all's good you know I just these really high level things
1: my experience is that you know the more I have the courage to sort of be truthful the the more the he's asking let me in and if we don't let people in they stop asking and then they go their own ways you know but you let them in and you don't know where it can go but and making ourselves vulnerable to anyone we love is scary business you know particularly kids because it's like you know we're the authorities we're the figure and i have no desire to be my son's best friend or his pal or his buddy you know i'm his dad i'll always be his dad but he can know you know he my son today on that in that phone call the seven minute advice phone call he said something I go, you know, I, I do that with people too. So he was shy. I could hear the pause on the other end. of his you, you know, he was talking about intimacy and projecting things on people. And and for me to just say that to him now, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of share that. So that's why he called me. He just wanted to know he wasn't alone. And, you know, in that thinking, oh, you feel that way too. Then, you know, we just that's want to great. know we're not alone. You know, we just want to connect. We don't need answers. We want to connect. So that when we connect, we feel safer. And then we can see, hear ourselves. And we go, oh, okay, I know what I want to do.
0: Yeah. You know? That's, that's great. That's wonderful. I have no idea. I'm just making it all up as I go along. Like no. we, you know? Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad it's not just me. So, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Hey, you know, if you and I, Andrew, were to drive from Idaho across Montana, uh, a road trip, you know, I, w- I would be annoying you giving you every roadside. I'd tell you about Lewis and Clark. I'd tell you about, this is a famous battle here. And, and by the end of the f- a couple hours, you'd be like, get, let me out of the car. Tell me, were you doing that on the Camino Trail? Were you just full of facts and figures and just letting it all out? And Sam loved it.
1: <laughs> no, there were um, there were a few times when I, you know, and I was really conscious to try not to go. Oh, last time I was walking, you know, it's like my, I, I walk. We live in New York City, and I walk, and I lived in many places in New York over the last forty years. And so many times I will walk, I go, you know, I used to live in that apartment, and and this story, and my kids are just like, oh my god, yeah. You know, So the way we all do. Right. And so I just didn't do that. I actively didn't do that because I, you know, I couldn't help it a couple of times because this is a great story. And they're like, yeah, Yeah. i just, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, Andrew, this, the story that you wrote is a beautiful story. Was it your intent from the very beginning that you were going to be writing a story? Um, When did that occur to you? And, and, uh, and how did you actually piece all this together? It's beautiful.
1: Well, I, I knew I was gonna write something uh, and maybe it would just been a travel story for a magazine. So I was keeping some notes and stuff. And you know, it was really when my son said that he was going, because the walk is for about 500 miles to Santiago to Compostela, which is very far in the West. And then just beyond it, another 50 miles, people often walk to the sea, a place called Finisterre. It's not part of the official pilgrimage, but a lot of people do it. And I didn't do it the first time and I had no intention of doing it this time. I'm going to Santiago. That's my goal. And my son, along the way, he'd been talking to other people we'd met, and he said, "I'm gonna go. I want to go to Finisterre." And the whole notion of parenting is that our children grow beyond us, right? And you know, that's what we want to pass on to the next generation. I got this successful. You get this successful, you know, or, or whatever. And so the notion that he was literally going to manifest going beyond where I've led him was, I thought there was something in that. And you know, and Sam, I, it's in the book there when. Someone said, Andrew, are you walking to Finisterre? And Sam said, no, no, my dad's walking across most of Spain. I'm walking across all of Spain. And you know, everyone laughed. And I knew in that moment, like, wow, this is, that. what more could I want than my son to go beyond me and get to the sea? You of know, and so that was, uh, then I said, oh, I have something here. There's something here. If my son will allow me to do it, I go, Sam, what would you think if I were, <laughs> he's like, <Yeah>. whatever, sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So Sam is an actor. He's in dead to me and a whole, and a lot of other projects I'm sure. Was that your hope for him uh, as a dad? I mean, or was that, Was let me put it another way. Was that Sam's goal and dream from the very beginning to be and be an actor?
1: Um, no and no. Uh, the last thing I ever <laughs> wanted was any of my children to go into show business, of course, and God is cruel and laughs at us. So um, no, but you know, on the other hand, it's the family business. It's what they know, you know, I'm um, so, uh, it just kind of snuck up on him. And he said, I wanted to do, you know, and I'm like, go, oh, go for it, dude, you know? And uh, yeah. because, you know, when I, acting saved my life at 15, you know, I had nothing and I had, you know, and teenagers particularly need to find something. Usually it's sports or music or something, or they, you know, get into trouble, <laughs> you know, and acting saved my life when I was 15. And I, who am I to say, wouldn't do that for my kids too, you know, if it's if it, if something that jazzes them. And, uh, you know, my daughter at eight years old was on Broadway, you know, she wanted to go uh, playing Matilda. So and I'm like, how did that happen? You know, so and she went to an open call like I did when I was young and she just wanted to do it. And we said, sure, OK, go ahead. And she got the part. I'm like, can you sing, Willow? We didn't even know she could sing, you know. So it was <laughs> like, um, anyhow, uh, if, I don't know if that answers anything.
0: <laughs> so what do you think? Do you think Sam will do that walk again? Have you had that conversation with him?
1: Oh well, he still he was going to go last year with a couple buddies, and uh, yes, he he fully intends to do it again. Um, I'm glad he didn't do it right away because I uh, and I would do it again, but I'd like to wait a few more. Maybe not 25. I wouldn't be up for. I don't think I could. But uh, yeah, I, I'd go again. You know, it's just a real marker for life and lets you know how you're doing too.
0: So you had that moment the first time you walked it in that uh, in the wheat fields and kind of that uh, my word here a phrase epiphany epiphany moment and. Uh, On this walk, the second walk, what other moments or revelations did you have, if if any?
1: Well, I don't know that there's anything. You know, even that first one, when it happened to me the first time in Spain, I wasn't aware of the Ah. profundity of it until much later. You know, one of the things that's great about Walking is it things sort of burn in deep, but they burn in at a walking pace, you know? You're not at an 80 mile an hour, but you know what I mean? A lot of my realizations came to me even years after, like, oh wow, that really changed my life that day. And that, day. you know, and it didn't occur to me at the I didn't, I wasn't there sitting there sobbing in the field of wheat going, this is life changing, you know? I was just like, oh my god, I'm so unhappy, you know? So, uh, on this trip, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm still finding out. And I also think a lot of it, um, I really learned to just keep my mouth shut with him and and not know, just you don't need to know. That doesn't make you a good deaf. I know having answers all the time, a lot of time, you know, and I I really felt I experienced that uh, in an, I may have known that, but to really experience it and sort of walk walk it and live it was uh, helpful to me.
0: You know, every time I do a podcast interview, I always listen for uh, key phrases that might be the podcast uh, episode title. And I think you, <laughs> that one's in the running. You don't need to know. I think that's really, really <laughs> profound. And as parents, it's it's okay it's not to know. It's
1: true. It's okay. You know, And we get scared and we, we should, particularly as parents, we, have, we, want, to, we want to fix it we want to make it okay. We don't want you to be hurt. Want to, here's what's going to happen. You know, and we can't protect them. I still tell my nine-year-old son, I would never let anything happen to you, but he's starting to get to the age where he he, does, he, he doubts whether that's true. How can you not let anything happen to me? I can't. I have no real power. But, you know, that lie we tell them is, you know, for both our benefits, I think, for a while. Yeah.
0: You know, I recently talked to a gentleman by the name of Tom Tursich. Tom is a young man, and he, uh, over seven years, Andrew, he walked around the world. He's the 10th human being to do it, and he walked with his dog. His dog was the first dog to do it. And I asked him the question, if you can go back again, what was your favorite part of the world to walk? Um, and without any hesitation, he said, "Europe." He said, "Europe," and he just talked about the landscape. He also talked about the churches. And you had a few references to churches in your in your book, as far as the spires and and t- tell me a little bit more about how did how did the churches and the, the kind of that type of uh, those kind of markers along your journey? Um, what, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, I'd like to talk to that guy um yeah you know um because the Camino started in the 8th century there are all these amazing Romanesque churches that are from you know from then and and dating onward you know and I love Romanesque uh, architecture and you know the the front and so uh they were just the mark you know there's great history along the Camino if you want it my son wasn't interested in any of it but um I would just go into a lot of, the, I would always poke my head in the churches and I have a complicated relationship with Catholicism now, but I, those churches is places of stillness and, you know, because they were all always empty along the way. There was never anybody in any of the churches in these tiny villages, but there's just something about sort of, and again, you're tapping into the legacy of centuries. There's something nice about that.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So Andrew, the name of the book, Walking with Sam, a father, a son, and 500 miles across Spain it has been such a fun to talk to you and to learn more about, about this journey. Andrew, what is your I Dare You challenge for all of us? What would be the one thing that you would challenge our listeners to do or to try to help them maybe get closer to the life they want to live? What do you think? Ooh,
1: good one. Well, in keeping with what we've been chatting about, to dare not to know, to be in that space of unknowing, I think is a, you know, a gutsy move.
0: And that is something we can, we can uh, all do, and we can uh, take that as a challenge. So, Andrew, it's just been such a privilege and an honor to have you on the show. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Okay, that was Andrew McCarthy. Of course you know him as an actor, but I hope you discovered some new things about him in a lot of different areas of his life, including being a dad. Those common themes about being a parent transcends whoever you are and wherever you live it still comes down to wanting great relationships, especially with your kids. You know, I loved Andrew's challenge. Let me add one more to it. Right now, if you think about your calendar, what do you have on the books, on the calendar, for you and one of your kids to do something that's really experiential? What is it? And if you don't have one right now, that's okay. I'm asking to challenge your thinking here. You don't have to go to Spain. I think we all should, actually, but we don't have to. But what is on the calendar that is highly experiential, that gets you and a child away for an hour, three hours, a day, a weekend? And for all of us, it's something different. Maybe it's, maybe it's just going camping. Maybe it's going on a 10-mile hike or something that's really important to the child, but away from the technology and just away from the distractions and just be One of the things that I do with my oldest daughter, she's now 31, is that we try to run a Spartan race every year. Now, I have to tell you, since COVID, we've fallen out of the habit. But what we love about doing the Spartan races is that that is a time that for three hours, we are just doing the Spartan race, and it's not about the exercise, that's great. But it's also a time when we can just talk (laughs) in a way that we normally don't have a chance to, or it's just not conducive. But when we're in this experiential environment, we can just talk. And what would that look like for you? It might be a walk. It might be a hike. It might be camping. It might be something a little more aggressive depending upon the time that you can take or how much, how much income or how much investment you want to make in that. But it doesn't have to cost a lot. It doesn't have to be five weeks away. But my challenge to you is look at your calendar, think about each one of your kids, and put something on the calendar and make that a routine and a habit. Andrew's interview really jarred something loose with me, and it doesn't have to be the fact you have younger kids. could be. But if you have kids that are adult children, it's never too late. It's always a good time to strengthen that relationship with them. So now if you like this episode, I invite you to share with others. I appreciate you listening more than you know. And now do me a favor, take that next step. Who in your life would appreciate this message? It could be one person. It could be 10. Take that step and forward this episode on to them. And also follow us on Instagram at idareyoupod, a great community growing And there you'll see interview snippets of this interview with Andrew. And then get ready for episode 67. It's going to be a great one. I can't believe we're up to 67 episodes, but it's all because of you. Without you, there is no podcast. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening and for sharing. I will be back here with you next week. I'll see you then.